Hello, and welcome to the Act Natural podcast. Today, we have our guest, Gabby Lanier, who is joining us to talk about uh, story in and narrative in relation to act and a little bit about her story. Welcome, Gabby. Hi, thanks, Brian. And you pronounced my name perfectly. So way, way to go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Gabby, and I am really excited to talk to you, Brian. I actually just interviewed you for my podcast, so we're kind of doing a little switcheroo here. Um, I've not been on the other side of a podcast interview, so this is going to be interesting for me. Um, and honestly, before we came on, I had to do a little bit of a little bit of work myself just to kind of sort out how that makes me feel because I'm someone who experiences a lot of anxiety. And I think today, you know, before I launch into the story is just kind of, you know, give people context to what, to who I am and, and where I'm from. Um, so I live in Washington. I currently reside with my mother and father-in-law, my husband and my son, and I'm um, in the same household. And I'm also 39 weeks pregnant. So that's kind of the context for me. I am a behavior analyst. I work in a school district full time. And I also have a private practice where I provide coaching to folks who experience anxiety, um, social anxiety specifically. And I have a podcast where it's called Act Inspired Behavior. I'm actually going to be changing the name of it here fairly soon to The Vibrant Introvert. Um, and I'm kind of in the process of that because I've realized that the podcast itself has been this amazing experience, but it's, I also want it to reflect kind of my own, um, my own goals and my own background right now as a, as a practitioner. And that is me specializing in social anxiety. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at, Brian, and it's, awesome. just, it's exciting to be here. Well, thank you so much for, for coming and, and sharing about your podcast. I really appreciate that. And it was quite an experience to, to be interviewed for your podcast and uh, folks, I have, I definitely recommend checking out um, act inspired behavior soon to be the vibrant introvert. Yeah. Vibrant, <laughs> vibrant introvert. Um, it, there are quite a few episodes on there that I was able to get through and I, I really enjoyed it. And I love how you use, yeah. well, narrative and story to, to teach basic, um, really important ideas that are related to act. Um, what, what inspired you to, to take that approach? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think as a behavior analyst, you know, I've, um, I've had a few different experiences growing up as a behavior analyst. There's a lot of, I've learned that in the field, you know, we have this really specific perspective and lens on how to change behavior. And as I've moved to different positions in my, in my work, in my professional work, I've noticed that when I work with others, when I work with parents, families, teachers, other practitioners from other fields, I just find that um, I'm limited in my ability to communicate with them at times if I try and stick with that same language. And so <clears throat> one thing that I'm really passionate about is taking what is the bones of the work, you know, of understanding, you know, these processes, these behavior change principles, and making it understandable to anyone I'm talking to and get them to relate to it and connect to it. And I'm, I feel like with the podcast, I, I didn't start off with that idea necessarily. I started off with wanting to actually write a book, a fictional book about how uh, just any, you know, regular everyday person goes through painful experiences and then, and then learns about acceptance and commitment therapy and makes these like this transformational change. And that was something I've been kind of rolling around in my mind. I have not done that. So <laughs> this is just an idea, but I love the idea of story as a way to um, tell and educate people about what is possible and to kind of get them to understand some of these different things that, you know, if you learn the, the processes and the framework, that's great. And if you understand it, that's amazing. And you really should know it as a practitioner, but practically speaking, 
my question has always been and continues to be, and this applies also to be applied behavior analysis is how do you actually make transformational change? How do you actually implement these strategies, these frameworks in a way that make change that lasts for a lifetime, you know, or at least lasts and is applicable to the context that matters right now. And so, um, with the podcast, you know, I love podcasts so much. I'm sure you do too, Brian. I listen to a lot. I've listened to them for, you know, 10 plus years. And some of my favorite podcasts um, tell stories of just everyday people. And so for me, that's kind of, that's what I was gearing toward. Um, And um, actually, one of my favorite podcasts is called The Longest Shortest Time. No longer are they creating new episodes, but they were running for at least nine years. And I love, I connected to that podcast so much. I cried and cried when they decided to stop um, producing any more seasons because I feel like I learned so much as a parent through these different stories that I really connected to that were just real, you know, this just real people sharing hard things and then kind of talking about how they got through it in a creative way or how they're still struggling with it. So um, that's kind of the stance that I'm taking through my podcast. I hope I can reach people within our field, you know, within the field of psychology in general, social work, um, people interested in the work itself, but also people who are looking for um, a framework that will speak to them, that will help them. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with the podcast. So with somebody who struggles with social anxiety, and, and it sounds like just kind of some general anxiety, yeah. how did you how did you overcome that anxiety to be able to create something so beautiful? <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like, and I told you, I'm like, I've grown so much doing the podcast. Um, it's been like a form of, I'd say exposure therapy for me. I probably spent, you know, four weeks recording my, the first episode is a story, my own story, right? Recorded myself, recorded myself, repeated it, listened back to what it sounded like, started creating that narrative and was so uncomfortable and was like going, looking to my husband and saying, does this sound like a cohesive story? I can't even tell. I've just, I can't even tell which way is up anymore. And he actually is a, is a radio producer. So he, he not only produces a radio show, you know, on um, it's a, like a news talk radio. Uh, he actually also talks on the radio and has this like, you know, dialogue going on with, <laughs> with the other hosts. And so he was helping me at the very beginning, the first couple of episodes um, to help coach me a little bit. And what he said was, and it's funny that I'm saying it right now, because like I actually did this work before we got on, was like, okay, Gabby, listen to some upbeat music because you, no offense, but you're, you sound sad. (laughs) You sound like you sound like you couldn't give a shit about like what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay. And he also said, you know, it's okay to take a breath. You don't have to talk so fast. And so he did some coaching there. And then I listened back to myself and I started to honestly, um, like fall in love with the idea of just using my voice to express myself, which is something that I've always been honestly, very quite afraid of speaking up because I'm always talked over you know, I used to be, I don't, I don't feel that way anymore, Brian, though. It's, there's been a transformation there and it's not just from the podcast. This, this work has happened, has been happening. It's been in the works. And this is kind of like that next level, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you, you start something like I started a podcast, not with the idea of, oh, I'm going to work on my social anxiety. That was not, wasn't it at all. It was, I want to get, you know, I want to connect to people. I want to teach people. I want to teach people about act. But in the process, I've connected with so many more values, you know, around reaching out and collaborating with people, you know, which is scary for me. It was really scary for me to ask Courtney Bilton, who connected us together, because I was like, is it, am I in a place now where I can, I can reach out to other podcasters? Like that was terrifying for me. Um, 
and also just making friendships with people I've never met, you know, and that's been another value is just connecting and, and building this level of understanding with people has been so amazing. Um, And then over time, I've met other people who have told me, oh, I'm not good enough to be on a podcast. I, I don't know what I would even share. And I say, I totally understand. And your voice is worth listening to. It's, it's worth hearing because other, like, you're just like everyone else, everyone else might have that exact same or iteration of that same thought or feeling. And people want to hear from you because people will relate to it for sure. And so, yeah, that's kind of like where I'm coming from it being someone who experiences social anxiety. And it honestly, like as I, the, the episodes unfolded, it was like, oh, wow, this is a theme. This is my experience. And it has actually even um, helped me develop my coaching practice from this very general, like I'm someone who teaches act to people who need it for habit change to something so much more refined, so much more specific um, for a very specific audience of people who quite frankly are me, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, And that has been probably one of the most rewarding things of all is just discovering who I am as a, as a professional and who, what I care about as a professional. That's wonderful. And it sounds like values are definitely a big part of that. Um, But if you don't mind me kind of reflecting a little bit on what you just said, uh, it sounds like turning towards your experience has been a big part of that too, kind of, well, not kind of, uh, it's uh, acknowledging that you're feeling that anxiety, kind of that, uh, that unworthiness um, and then turning into it and, and going through it, which is a big part of what ACT is about. Would you say that's, that's about right? Yeah. And it's become this source of connection because you see it in others too, and you can validate them and say, yeah, that's, (laughs) exactly what I've experienced. So you're not alone. (laughs) Well, and and it's interesting because your experiences and my experiences are are so different, but also so similar because for me, um, I have always been told I could sell ice to an Eskimo type thing. Like uh, (laughs) that's, that's what the sort of stuff that I was told as a kid. And it was partly just because of the lack of awareness of certain characteristics. And once I started becoming aware of certain things, then then that's when the anxiety started (laughs) cropping up. Um, I, I thrive in, in, one-on-one or very small groups. Um, I loved, love, love going to university with classes where that were um, 10 or less people because it was, it was just an ideal environment for me because I just could talk. And some people are like, you could talk to a brick wall and have a conversation. And I'm like, I'm like, great. But when it comes time to record my voice or put my face in front of a camera, um, I've had to go through a very similar journey of, of accepting that um, if I get overexcited, I start stumbling on my words. Uh, I tend to have a lot of little Freudian slip words that come out that, that are really goofy and that sort of thing. Um, and, and just that, that practice and act of turning into that discomfort has made all the difference. Um, so while I don't necessarily specialize in, in, in anxiety and that sort of thing, um, I have been able to, to offer some support and advice to people. Um, and actually a couple days ago, I, I offered a, a piece of advice to somebody who's saying like, I get really anxious and I'm going, um, it had to do with locking a door. Uh, so this individual locked the door because um, I was checking the door in our clinics, doors in our clinics because I was in charge of closing up for that night. And, and this individual locks the door and then says, I'm probably going to uh, be anxious about that door, whether it's been locked or not, even though I checked it for the next you know, few hours. And, and I said, well, imagine that there's you that's anxious about that right next to you, standing next to you, and go ahead and lean over and give that person a big squeeze and say, thanks for, thanks for keeping an eye on me and helping me out. And that person was like, wait, what? 
I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like that's the funny thing you say when you're obsessed with acceptance and commitment therapy. You just dive right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this person's like, I'll I'll try it out. I need to check back with them and see uh, see how how it worked for them. But I'm just like, this is this is exactly what ACT is. It's it's turning towards that experience. It's not saying my anxiety like it's something that you have to fight. On me, yeah, I'm anxious. Yeah. It's, it's like, this is a part of you and that's okay. Yeah. Yes. I, I, and I think that like, you know, none of this is real intuitive either. And so there's, it's very difficult, I think, to go from understanding what it is theoretically and actually doing it because in doing it, it's so counterintuitive, Mm. but then you start to contact those actual um, ways of being and how they're much more effective, you know, over time. And I would definitely say, and I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I never specifically worked on social anxiety. Like for me, um, I've been journaling now for for two and a half, almost three years and have been in court journaling through this lens of act you know, through these processes. So I journal every day and I use that in my coaching practice. Um, And it occurred to me, you know, four or five months ago that like, oh my gosh, I've made this huge transformation and I didn't even specifically mean to do it. It has happened. I'm doing that work. Like you're saying, I'm leaning into those really hard moments. And usually when I'm journaling, it's like, I'm projecting what's going to happen. I'm thinking about what's going to happen, you know, that day, like that's going to make me anxious and I plan ahead or something happens that totally blindsides me. And then I journal about it the next morning, you know, or that night. And I process through and think about it. And sometimes like early on, if I was lucky, I could do it in the moment and, and actually do those pivots right there and then, which was incredibly hard because you're so hooked, right? You're so stuck by those narratives and thoughts. But over time, it's like, oh, what I have worked on endlessly over and over and over again is confronting uncomfortable conversations, advocating for myself and the workplace, connecting with friends and family, which seems like it should be easy and yet is so hard for me working on my, my relationships with my, my family that, you know, we've had years long rifts with one another. And then I look back and I say, you know, I've been journaling every day. It's like just chipping away at this mountain. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I say like this mountain, like it's, it's still there, but I know how to scale up and down it. Like nobody's business. Um, and that to me has been the most beautiful thing. Um, And I think that like, it is important to know like what the problem is or what like the stuck point is or the pattern, you know? Um, But sometimes in ACT, it's like, you don't even need to necessarily know the whole picture right away. You have to kind of, it unravels, you know, and you're confronted with these difficult situations and then you can start to use some of these processes that really apply. So yeah, it's just been, it's been fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And to say the least. That's one of the things that I love so much about ACT is it's, you don't have to start at any one point mm-hmm. to, to, to get to, to the end objective. Like some people start with values. Other people start with being in the present moment. Some people start with acceptance while others think about that self as context or diffusion. Um, it, it's, it's starting the journey and the journey doesn't have to be, okay, we have to have everything just right. And then we can start so going everything. <laughs> it can I be can, the, <laughs> it can so be the Bilbo's bag, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins start of the journey where he just, he, Gandalf is like, okay, here you go. L- let me hand you your pipe and your, 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 uh, um, your coin person get going. <laughs> like, Wait, I don't know how to use any of these tools. <laughs> And uh, that's, that's something that uh, if, if anybody's out there listening to this or any of the other podcasts that, that we do, um, my, my recommendation is just dive in, 
like find something that works and start with that. Yeah. Cause yeah. Um, if you're, if you wait for things to be just right, you're going to be waiting an awful long time. Yeah. And I, I think too, like we can say, we can say to ourselves, Oh, I'm a practitioner. I use this work in my practice with X, Y, Z client. Mm-hmm. But if you do not use these processes in your own personal life, those, that therapy, that framework is going to fall short because part of that work is deeply understanding how to use those processes, use that framework, and then connect with people and build this bridge. You know, there's this constant mutual learning that's happening. And I am constantly learning from, and I, I mean, I've grown so much from the podcast because I've gotten ideas from other people like, oh my gosh, that's another way to use acceptance. Mm-hmm. I never thought about using it in that way. And I've, the same thing has happened with my work and with my clients, the way that they've phrased things or experienced things or tried things out are different than what I've done. And then I get to learn from them too. And it's so awesome. Well, I wanted to share oh, one quick thing. Um, if we could like kind of segue somewhat, please do segways are the best things in the world. I love them. I love segways. They're, they're so fun. We can rent segways where I live. <laughs> I was just thinking that type of segue too, but I, I like, I like the segways where we're just jumping around and doing all it's sorts so of things. Okay. Exploration is just so wonderful. The whole family me. going down the street. <laughs> um, so the segue is like, and I, I mentioned this, that I'm super duper pregnant right now. And people, people are constantly telling me like, oh my gosh, you look like you're about to pop. And so um, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about, Brian, is like how, so I have this goal of um, having a natural birth experience because my last little boy, um, he's four and a half now. He, I had a C-section with him. And in my opinion, didn't go very well. I hadn't really even started this work and act at all. And so my experience right now is so different. My skill sets are so different. I look to this, this kind of this goal I have around having natural birth. And I look at all the values that are kind of associated with it. And I can tell myself, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to be ready to experience the most painful thing in my life but I have really done that work to kind of set myself up to be willing to try it. And um, kind of as the days unfold, I'm like, I become more and more and more um, motivated to make, to make this kind of um, experience unfold the way that I really hope that it will. Um, And one thing I've been thinking a lot about is You know, as someone who has like a tremendous amount has had and has sometimes has more often than not a lot of anxiety around lots of different things. One thing that's very hard for me is advocating for myself. And I've been doing a lot of that, like as I've started to realize like, oh my gosh, I haven't really fully prepared for this whole birthing experience. Um, And another thing that I've thought about too, is this like this willingness to be able to experience not just like emotional pain, which is something I've worked a lot on, but also experiencing physical pain and how one can use acceptance and commitment therapy to approach the experience of physical pain. And so um, one of the projects that I'm really excited about right now is I'm doing this sort of like I'm constantly uh, recording myself talking about this, like building up to this experience. And I talked to my husband about the idea of recording me throughout the birthing, <laughs> throughout the labor, and then afterwards um, to kind of capture like, how does one use acceptance and commitment therapy through a difficult situation and all the while not knowing what the outcome is going to be, the outcome, quote unquote. You know, cause it's like, you don't just have a baby and then the story's done. Like you, you know, you have a baby and then other things happen and other challenging things alongside it. Um, so that's, that's one thing that's been on my mind a lot is how to use some of this work that I've already done and look back and say, I've done this hard stuff. You know, I, I started a podcast that I was super intimidated by, had a lot of self-doubt in, can I use those same processes 
and apply it into this brand new situation that I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, and to me, I'm very, I'm very, uh, have a lot of hope for that situation that if at the very least I can have some tools to deal with that emotional discomfort, that's going to pop up. Should things not turn out the way that I really want them to. Well, I can tell you that it does work at least for dealing with some pain because I've, I had a, uh, act moment, I call them, um, and, and this is by no means anywhere near what childbirth is like, but uh, I've been having to take and get, give myself injections um, mm-hmm. and will probably have to do so for the rest of my life because of some recent health developments. And uh, there's two injections I have to give myself weekly. One is an adipose tissue, so fatty tissue, less nerves there. And that's that's pretty easy. And the needle for it is, is quite small. It's... Um, so that one, that one hasn't been so much of an issue. It's just initially getting past a little bit of that E of a needle. Um, but the other injection I have to give myself is um, with a needle that's about the size of a mechanical pencil lead. And I'm not talking a little one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it has to go into muscle, muscle tissue. So I have to inject it into my leg. And Initially, I was doing the coping mechanisms of avoiding the pain of <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then like, like jamming myself very slowly and, and like not yeah. looking at it as I was doing it, all this other stuff. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, thankfully, it's not long enough to do that. But <laughs> um, it, it definitely was uh, who it, it was. It was quite painful, especially near the end there. Um, and I say near the end because. Then I, I caught myself in the middle of experiential avoidance. Mm. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, this isn't going to make it better. It's making it worse. You, could, you already know it's making it worse. And so I had to do an act exercise. And then I turned towards the experience and I've been injecting myself now while watching myself put it in, prepared for accepting and amazingly, or maybe not so amazingly, the pain has dropped off drastically. Um, there's even been a few times where I didn't feel any pain at all. Um, I'm not going to say it was totally painless, but it was just turning towards that experience. And another part of this is that I also, because of the health issue I have, um, I have to donate blood um, monthly. So that way, um, I, my blood doesn't get too thick. It's, um, it's a fun little side effect of the treatment I have to do. And if I don't do it, then I might have a heart attack or stroke. So like it, this is life or death. Um, and I have very That's fun. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Sounds pretty important. <laughs> it is pretty important. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, I also have very tricky veins. And so every time I go in, I'm like, okay, a phlebotomist, my veins are tricky. So please be sure before you start sticking me. <laughs> and, uh, I've, I've since figured out how to, uh, I tell them to mark it with a pen so that way they can find it. Cause it reduces it. But, um, one of the last times I went in for an inject, uh, for donation, I got stuck eight times oh my God. and, and a couple of those times they were like digging around with the needle in my arm. And I'm like, okay, I can't turn away from this. This is, this is act exercise big time here. <laughs> watch the whole thing. I'm just watching horror. <laughs> and, and, uh, and just, just turn towards that pain and it hurt. It, it definitely wasn't fun, but contrasting experience for other times when I've had that happen. Um, definitely less painful. Yeah. That, and, your, that experience reminds me of my epidural that I had last time. They're like stuck me multiple times. And then finally <laughs> towards the end, the person who was doing the procedure said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is my first time doing this. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> this is you're tapping into my spinal and putting a needle there. Oh my gosh, you should never, that shouldn't, that should be in the training. Never tell someone it's your first time. (laughs) (laughs) 
like when you were talking about, um, you know, this idea of injecting yourself, having to do it every day and how like initially, you know, you're injecting yourself and it feels you're like, it's pain, you know, that you anticipate the pain. And so you like tense up and you're like, ah, I'm like a miss, like what I'm supposed to do. And it's makes it even more painful. Cause you're, you're kind of like tensing up. I like, that is, I think that is very, very aligned and very like parallel to like even a birthing experience because one thing I found so fascinating as I've been preparing myself, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of guided meditations. I, I record my own meditations and listen back to them as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that has been so fascinating for me is that women who have engaged in this, like some of these strategies of natural birthing, they recommend the doulas or hypno birthing people. They say, you know, um, rather than like tensing up your whole body during a contraction, which, you know, the contractions of the uterus, and it's very, very, very painful. It's like lightning going through that entire muscle. They say, rather than tensing up all of your muscles, cause you, you know, it's like, you're trying to prepare for a fight. Mm-hmm. You actually do the opposite. You loosen up and you soften. And there's like these techniques where you soften, you know, your face progressively down until you get to your toes Mm -hmm. so that every muscle in your body, except for the uterus is completely relaxed, which that is another example of just it being so counterintuitive. You're like, what, what I'm going to relax during this incredible painful experience, but that's, that's what they recommend. And thinking about it through this act lens, it's like, well, yeah, if you can, spend your energy accepting you're actually going to expend so much less energy than if you try and resist and hold out and hold your breath you know it actually makes it more painful when you engage in that resistance than less which you'd think that it'd be less because you're kind of holding back you know Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of one of the things i've been doing a lot of is anytime i feel any pain now (laughs) this is my practice emotional or physical I try and relax into it. And so that's kind of the practice that I'm engaging in right now to prepare. And I've told my husband, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. You need to remind me of this when I'm mid contraction and you see me tensing up, tell me to breathe, (laughs) tell me to accept and be willing to, to feel the pain. And so he's, he's going to be my partner there and, and hopefully he'll remember maybe I'll write on a, on a giant post-it note or something. (laughs) Just the notes are great for exactly that reason. Yeah. I, I love the application of this, this because a lot of people don't realize, and, and we only recently realized due to functional MRIs, that emotional pain and physical pain activate in the same place in the brain. Yeah. So when somebody is feeling pain, the the response of, oh, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll get through this. Um, or, oh, it's not that bad. That sort of thing. Th- those, those kind of responses are, are unempathetic. There's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst thing to hear. Oh my gosh. When you're feeling emotional pain. But it <laughs> contrasts that with sitting with it and somebody being there with you. And, and I love seeing this happen all the more and more. I'm seeing little, little comics or little memes or little, little stories that are popping up where somebody is, is feeling sad. Like a little character is feeling sad and the other character just walks up and sits next to them and just is there with them and, and, and just turns into that pain and instead of, instead of trying to avoid it or helping them feel better, just being like, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, wonderful because as we're, whether or not they realize that that's act related or not is irrelevant. In my opinion, it, what, what matters is that it's teaching a, a healthy coping skill um, and a way of being able to see things. Cause um, I recently talked with my grandmother um, she's 99 years old. She'll be hundred in July if she, if she makes it. Wow. And uh, she was talking about a lot of experiences she had, and she was talking about a lot of pain. Mm. 
And, you know, she, she was talking about joy too. She was talking about some people that she loved and, and some other people that she was very angry with. One of, one of whom was my grandfather. Um, and, uh, I, I just was, I took a moment while she was, while I was talking with her and just being with her and realizing how much pain this world is filled with just so much. And how much of that pain it turns to suffering because we're spending so much time fighting it. Right. And that is so awful. And because we now have more knowledge about how this works. And the thing is, is that, and I think we mentioned this when we were talking in, in, in our last conversation where I mentioned, I don't know, someone did um, like okay. act, act isn't the thing like act is, is just the research looking at all the practices that humans have come up with over the centuries and finding out what actually works versus mm-hmm. what are the things that kind of snuck in over time that, you know, we think work, but don't necessarily like, Act is the ideas that act is talking about have been around for as long as humans have been around as far as we can tell, because people are trying to figure out how to not suffer. Um, so it's, it's not the thing act. Isn't the thing, the thing that we're trying to go for is live well, Yeah, which means to live without suffering. Yeah. And I think that like, I think that over time, you know, because of society and everything, like we, we say we want to eliminate suffering. We want to eliminate the things that um, are difficult Mm -hmm. because, you know, like that is the end goal. But like you said, we want to live well. That's actually the goal. Yeah. Ending suffering like that. Those things aren't, you don't have to end suffering in order to live well. And changing the way that you're responding to all that, all of the suffering that you will inevitably feel, you will inevitably experience yeah, is the key thing. And, and yeah, like recognizing, like, it doesn't matter that we call it acceptance and commitment therapy because you could be practicing it and actually not doing it at all. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you could still have that same goal in mind of reducing suffering, of reducing anxiety, social anxiety, or whatever the pain, like <laughs> reducing label labor pain. Um, but you're not going to be getting at what is really, truly important, which is getting towards those things you care about, you know, having that, having that birth, you know, having that experience that for me, like I look at this pain and I'm like, yeah, I could eliminate pain in a second with an epidural. I could eliminate pain in a second. Really? I mean, if I decided to do a scheduled C-section, I could eliminate at least those contraction pains. Right. But then I won't get all the other things that I really, really want, which is just this fundamental right as a woman to experience something that's, I know, going to be transformational for me. I want that. That's my, that's my right. And feeling empowered by my own body, you know, so all these different things. And I really love that, like, (laughs) that we went from talking about podcasting to talking about like birth and injections and just like, what does even act mean? It's like, I feel like the more we can kind of put it through our own perspective and our own lens and through our own story, like people can connect to that and they can say like, okay, yeah, now I understand what acceptance actually means. It's not just this like grit, get through it kind of acceptance. It's softening, opening, willingness, you know, expanding into it because it's worth it. You know, understanding these subtle differences through story, I think is just so incredibly powerful. And so you have to learn those lessons in many, 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 many different ways. Cause those lessons, those opportunities are going to come up for you in many, many, many different ways. They're going to show up in lots of different ways that feel unexpected. I think I came up with a beautiful metaphor to go along with what you were just saying. What's that? Um, so uh, I, on my background from my computer is this beautiful shot from a, a little city in Spain. Um, there's this beautiful built up canal and I took it with my own camera um, mm-hmm. when my wife and I were there for a honeymoon. 
Um, and looking at this shot, this shot has more value to me because I had to live through the four canceled flights, the uh, luggage getting lost and living without it for three days, um, the frustration, the waiting, the hunger, the annoyance, the heat, the frustration. And I was able to take this beautiful, beautiful picture. Mm. And it wasn't just that this picture isn't actually the thing. This is just a product of the, th- of, of my experience. Taking that photo. Yeah. That, oh, that, that's, cool. that's just a check mark, right? It's something that happened, but mm-hmm. we live in a society that is about showing and sharing that, that pivotal moment, that picture that you took. Right. And, right. Yeah. and that's kind of living without values so of it's, it's about the next thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's but the outcome, not the process. Exactly. Right. And yet I'm seeing this beautiful picture I was able to take and the living through that frustration and the joy and the connecting with my wife and experiencing a new culture and making new friends um, and, and exploring new places. And so while I have the thing, which is definitely an indication that I did that, it's more the journey that was the thing that, that mattered most to me. Mm-hmm. And forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but that sounds like that's part of why you want to go through a natural birth with your child is because you want to experience. So instead of turning away from the experience, you're turning towards it. You're turning into the experience and going, I am this being who experiences and I want to embrace all my experiences. Yes, absolutely. And as you're talking about it, I'm like, that's exactly it. And it's hard to describe to people. It's like, it's not just having a baby born through my vagina. Like That's not it. It's not saying to someone, I had a natural birth. Like, that's not it at all. Yeah. Although you might think that at the beginning, but as things unfold, you're like, actually, even right now, even right now, I'm living my values because I'm preparing and I'm enjoying this experience as it's unfolding and I'm experiencing hard, difficult things. And I'm going through that whole process. Same thing with the podcasting. It's like, yeah, I just finished a, a season. I just, I just um, published the, the last episode of the season, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's not it. It's the process that I went through that was so beautiful. I'm so glad I did it. And the outcome that I was hoping for, you know, now doesn't necessarily even matter at all. I could say like, yeah, I did it, but that's not the point. This is the point. This is, this is the process that I went through is discovering that I'm a vibrant introvert and I'm, you know, socially anxious. And I'm real proud of that. I'm proud of my journey and I'm excited to empower other, other people through that similar in their own way journey so this is good stuff it is good stuff and i i like trying to figure out ways of helping to connect it so i guess dear listener if you're going through hell if you're experiencing a lot of challenges whether it be when you're going to school or maybe something is not so great at home, whatever it is that's going on, um, turn towards it. It's okay to give yourself little breaks along the way. That's you can take a little breather. You can, that sort of thing. Like uh, I like to, I like to periodically go for walks or or play a video game or or watch a movie or that sort of thing. And I, I definitely love listening to podcasts and books That's a good way to escape. I'm not saying be a masochist, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but like turn towards your experience, turn into it um, and use your, your values as your driving point for experiencing a fully. Um, 
I would, I would say that one of my experiences that was pretty consistent um, throughout, throughout my life has been anger. Um, and tune into the podcast that Gabby and I recorded to learn a little bit more about that. <laughs> oh, so, so good. Um, but that was my experience. And when I learned to accept it, that this is a part of who I am and to let it be, Mm-hmm. then I was able to start finding harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, know what I said, harmony, not peace. Mm-hmm. Because peace and peace and harmony aren't the same thing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how you pick and choose your words. Now you're like, wait, wait, that's not quite it. <laughs> like, like, you know, people are like peace on earth, goodwill towards men, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm like, peace is, yeah. peace is only going to happen when everybody's dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but harmony is, is, is so much more beautiful because harmony is, is interacting with the real world. Yeah. Um, how much of our experience is based off of our perceptions of reality and our ex- expectations about reality? So much. So, so much. much. Yeah. And other people and our perceptions of other people's perceptions of us. Yeah. <laughs> or perceptions we've been taught by others. And how people. we perceive that other people perceive reality, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a little, little inception here. To know that yes, they might have some of those things might be true. You know, they might, they might actually think those things, but on the inside as well, we're all suffering in our own way. And sometimes in very, very, very similar ways. Mm -hmm. So Brian, I have to tell you, I have to run and pick up my dog from the vet because of the the clinic um, close at 5.45. Well, then this is a good wrap up point. Um, She has like some sort of, disease that's going to cost me 200 bucks a month to treat but you know it's worth it (laughs) i'll think about the process there (laughs) you gotta love those dogs they make a big difference in our lives yeah well gabby thank you so much for coming on thank you for for bearing your soul and sharing your process um i'm really excited to share this podcast and for others to be able to discover yours um Folks, remember that uh, the Act Natural podcast is an open source education material. Um, that means that you can use all of it or part of it towards uh, continuing education and furthering um, learning about mental health practices and evidence-based practices. Please be sure to cite your sources. And um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again, Gabby. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And... Uh, Act natural. <laughs> <laughs>